Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the podcast based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guide. This is the ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive's author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, and your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to episode 84 of Thrive Deeper. It's DJ Payne, your old pal. And on this week's episode, I get to sit down with Matthew Jacoby, your friend and mine. And we sit down in a brand new place. A little bit more about that in just a moment. But this week, we are continuing our journey through Genesis. The end of Genesis is just over the rise. And we've got a few weeks to cover it off here. So on this week's journey, we get introduced to Joseph. We see a lot about Joseph and sort of the spotlight goes from Jacob to Joseph in these next few chapters as we hover around from 35 to about 40. And it's one of my most beloved stories in the Bible, the story of Joseph and the journey that we take with him. So enjoy on this week's Thrive Deeper. Matthew, we are recording in a brand new setup. Your shed. <laughs> I like to call it the studio. Well, it's going to become the studio, but it's not the studio yet. I will take some photos of us here. You're going to have to check over at uh, the uh, Facebook page, the Facebook group. Mm. I'll take some photos. Excuse the mess. It is, we are sort of, I've got, in, in the place that I rent here in uh, Height and Geelong, uh, one of the reasons we rented this, uh, you know, we've been here for, boy, five years now is because it's got this original house in the background. This was yeah. the original house of the people who lived here, the dairy farmers who lived here. Wow. Yeah, they they kilned the bricks themselves wow. here, and a family of five lived in this space. Wow. Yeah, while they, for years while they were building the other yeah. houses back in the 50s, going back into their dairy farming history of Geelong, the Dutchies in Geelong. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's just become this storeroom out the back here, it became a bit of a mechanics shed mm. and everything like that. And I, for the whole five years we've been living here, I've been saying, I'm going to turn this into a recording studio. I'm going to turn it into yeah. a recording studio. We're finally doing it's this. The perfect structure for it. It's, yeah. it's step right. one of doing it. So if we sound a little bit different... Forgive us if it sounds a little bit echoey or weird. We're going to be working as we uh, get ourselves into it. But uh, thank you so much for all your support for Thrive Deeper, especially here in 2020. We're growing. We're expanding. We've got lots of exciting stuff that we can't wait to tell you about in the next few weeks. We're going to be changing the way some things happen. But I'm excited. But right now we are in the book of Genesis. We have been talking about our uh, the, the grandson of Abraham, the the man who uh, you know who, uh, Jacob, that's right. Yeah, been given us all the uh, you know all the promises. Abraham has left. He's had the son of promise, Isaac. Isaac has had these two sons, Esau and Jacob. Jacob being the younger one, having the you know the promises uh, you know given to him. God has just uh, wrestled with him, mm. and he has changed his name to Israel. Mm. And he's got the twelve. You know, he's got twelve sons. He's yeah. got the two wives and the two, you know, handmaids mm. as well. And there's this great big, uh, you know, establishment that is Jacob, a.k.a. Israel and his 12 sons. And we sort of pick up the story in, uh, we're sort of going to fast forward a little bit in 35 and 36 because he goes back to Bethel, basically. Mm. He goes back to this mm. land. And and we're still in the story of Jacob. And, of course, the character focus is now going to change to Joseph. Yeah, uh, but Jacob is still alive. We're going to come back to Jacob because Jacob is going to uh, bless all of his sons, and so in a sense, the story ends with Jacob uh, as yeah. well, and, and with the death of Jacob. Um, uh, but Joseph now becomes the main character, and Joseph is important because the events and the life of Joseph is like a microcosm, penultimate fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. Ah, uh, yes. So, okay. yeah. So this this is where this is important. Now, one of the things, one of the important things to bear in mind when you read through the uh, stories of the patriarchs, mm-hmm. and by that I mean Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, uh, Joseph. Now, uh, that they are that this is a um, a well defined 
period in time, this and, and this, these narratives are referred to as the patriarchal narratives because they are laying the foundations. So people, when they're praying, we, we read later on in Scripture, will often pray God of Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yes. Because there were certain uh, things that were laid down and that these characters embodied about God and about God's covenant. Yes. So there is this... And I, I say this because this is going to help us make sense, not only of Joseph, but everything that comes before. There are lots of stories that are not just about the outcome of the story, but the story itself um, sees the patriarch yeah. embodying a kind of prophetic message. So, okay. for example, yep, yep. Uh, Abraham sacrifice, you know, taking Isaac to Great sacrifice example. him. It's not about the outcome. It's about this is a prophetic declaration uh, of the fact that God is going to provide a lamb for his people. Yes. So, in a sense, Abraham uh, represents God in that situation, giving up his son, ultimately. Yeah. Th- that's what it stands for. Uh, Jacob wrestling the angel. Strange story. Uh, this wrestling with God. Again, it's this, in a sense, almost the weirder the story, the more likely it is to have this prophetic yes. sense to it. I mean, we see prophets throughout Scripture doing strange things. God asks them to do strange things because they're often embodying the message. Yeah. It's not just what they say, it's what they do. Mm. And so this is a this is a constant feature of the patriarchal narratives. Mm. Now, Joseph is really important to, to this because Joseph represents... Really, and I call the penultimate fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant because the ultimate fulfillment is in Christ. Yes. Um, the Abrahamic covenant is Genesis 12, uh, verse 1 and 2. Yep. Um, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. Yes. And all the ends of the earth will be blessed through you. Now, Joseph. That's. Uh, I've encouraged people to learn that off by heart. I know yeah. it off by heart because it's it's the uh, it's the key to interpreting the rest of the Bible. Amen. Uh, Genesis twelve verses one to two. Now, this is fulfilled in Joseph. Joseph, so much about Joseph's life demonstrates the journey of God's people. So through hardships, through captivity, and in gener- you know generations later, they are going to experience captivity the like of which Joseph is going to experience. So. Uh, and yet they're going to come out of captivity. God's people are going to be exalted among the nations, uh, and particularly Christ himself, yes. and are going to become a blessing to the ends of the earth. Yeah. And this is what you see, in a in sense, jo- in the life of Joseph. You see Joseph representing the penultimate fulfillment of this covenant in, in, a, in a typological sort of way. He yeah. is the, the great type of what this covenant fulfillment is going to look like. So would you say that Joseph is a is a like a foreshadowing of Christ himself? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, he absolutely is. But he also and 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 I mean the the reason for my hesitation is not because yes, of course that is the answer. But the the there's it's a little bit more sophisticated than that because um he also represents God's people as a whole. Yes. In as much as Christ, like we are the body of Christ. Yep. So we are the presence of Christ in the world, and and uh, and in fact, uh, the spirit of Christ dwells within His church and so forth. So um, Joseph is um, is a type of Christ, but he also represents the people of God and the mission of the people of God. Okay. So you can look at the story of Joseph and say, "This is what my life." will be hopefully not being thrown, becoming a slave and being thrown in prison, but we can expect hardships, yep. injustice. Jesus told his disciples, in this world you will have trouble. Mm. But through that, God is going to exalt you to be a blessing to mm. the ends of the earth. Mm. And this is what we see in the story of Joseph. So the yep. pattern of this story is really, really important to the scheme uh, of of the fulfillment of this covenant and how it's going to unfold. So God's blessing his people to be a blessing does not mean that they're not going to go through hardship, yep. but it means through that hardship, God in his sovereignty is going to win the victory yeah. Yeah. In, in the end and bring blessing to the ends of the earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's an amazing, as we wrap up Genesis over these next few weeks, it's um, and please get your questions into us. If there's any remaining Genesis questions, we want to cover them really quickly. Mm. Um, it's an amazing thing to go from 
you know, the foundational, almost those prehistory stories of God, you know, relating to men mm. in different ways. Mm. And then with Abraham, the promise, you know, from, you know, chapter 12 yeah. onwards, you know, the, the promise to Abraham. And now four generations later, you know, we've got mm. Abraham, then we have Abraham's son, Abraham's grandson, and now Abraham's great-grandson yeah. in Joseph. Yeah. Uh, we see exactly those promises yeah. displayed in a powerful way. Yeah. In a powerful way to that. So to, to, to wrap things up, as we, we, we close things up here in, in 35 and 36 really quickly, uh, 35 sees the death of Isaac, the death of Rachel. Yep. yep. They have, uh, they've passed away. We see all of Jacob and the entire 12 sons, their families, all yep. the cattle, everything coming in, all the slaves, all the servants that is working with Jacob coming in to, to the area of Bethel and understanding that they will not live near the Edomites, mm-hmm. the sons of Esau, yep, Esau right. and yep. his tribe, because Esau, God has blessed Esau, yeah. and he is huge and got wives everywhere. And, and that's important and, because why why is Esau blessed in the end? Because through the as the result of that wrestling with God and that prayer, Esau embraces his brother, and the covenant is those who bless you, I will bless. Yeah. So it's not like because at a point in the story of, of of Jacob, you can think, well, Jacob got the blessing and Esau dis, didn't. Yeah. But that's not how the blessing of God works. No. It's not about someone having and someone haven't uh, doesn't have. It's meant to be infectious. It's meant to increase as it's passed on. And so uh, with the reconciliation of these brothers, we see Esau being blessed and they have to spread out. And so um, uh, Jacob continues to live in the land. Uh, of Bethel. Uh, um, yep. And Esau moves down to the hill country of Seir, which is actually the mountain range between the bottom of the Dead Sea and the Gulf of Aqaba. Uh, the, the, um, the t- Ilat is the city down there. And it's actually there's a very famous city there called Petra. Yeah. Um, built into those mountains with the big rock carvings, you know, yes. most familiar maybe from uh, later, Raiders, not Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones. Yes, and the, uh, one of those films. The third one. Um, <laughs> uh, became famous. That actually, if, if people can draw that to mind, the big t- temple built into the mountains, that's actually where Esau uh, we, went to live. And the, and the point here, and again, this is, the, this is the important thing when we're going through Genesis, sometimes we want to skip over, and we are going to skip over chapters as we go on, but we want to skip over, but remember that everything that has been put down in this foundational book has been put down for a reason, and that is why we get one entire chapter, chapter 36, yeah. about the descendants, descendants <laughs> of Esau. Yeah. Because it is God's, God's way of saying... No, no, I've looked after Esau. That's right. He's blessed. Now, it's also in there because the Edomites will end up becoming yeah, an enemy. So, so he, that's right. So Esau is certainly blessed and God fulfills his promise, but the Edomites are going to become this sort of arch, arch enemy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, that's reflected in Psalm 137 where we have the very famous curse on the Edomites. It's going to be reflected in Malachi chapter 1 where we have uh, God saying, Jacob I've loved, Esau I've hated. Um, and it, actually there, he's talking, I know that's a difficult thing, we could embark in a conversation on that, which we won't, but he's actually talking about the fact that he's chosen this people and not that people, yes. and it's not talking so much about the individuals, but yeah. the nations, Edom uh, as opposed to Israel. That's it. Some of the some of the Old Testament prophets, Obadiah, is all about you know, yeah, yeah, the Edomites yeah, and yeah. all of that type of stuff. So it's important to sort of... You don't, look, I'm not asking anyone to memorize all the names or the kings or everything there, but it's also interesting to see that Esau, as far as thought technology or people management technology, Esau and the Edomites had kings and a king structure and a and a political structure like that mm. earlier than the. It makes yeah. a point of saying yeah. earlier than Israel, earlier than any other. You know, sort of these yeah. were some of the first people to live in this type of thing and sort of flourish yeah. in that way. Meanwhile. We go back to chapter 37. We go, you know, sort of forward to 37, and we get introduced to Joseph. Yeah. Um, we, we, we meet a young Joseph who has a dream, and, and in the dream he sees his brothers bowing down to him. Yeah. He's some, something of the favourite of his father. He's the second youngest. <coughs> yeah, in Benjamin the, in is the, the youngest. Benjamin is the youngest, and but he's, all, but he's the son of... Remember, Jacob worked all those years for um, his his uh, his beloved wife, Rachel, yeah. Rachel, 
and, you know, had Leah first and everything like that. So it's a really mixed, weird family. So Rachel, his beloved wife, the one that he loved so much, she had Joseph, she had Benjamin. Yeah. And they're, they're the two... Old uh, old Jacob, otherwise known as is- yeah. Israel now, Jacob in his old age is very openly playing favourites with, yeah, with uh, Joseph. Unfortunately, he's playing favourites. And this, of course, causes problems. This is problematic. <laughs> uh, it causes resentment. The brothers, you know, Joseph famously gets given this beautiful robe. Yep. Um, and, and what makes it worse is that he has this dream. I mean, the dream isn't intended to make it worse, but it does because of the circumstances. Uh, this dream of his brothers bowing down to him. So he's already the favourite. They're already resenting him. Uh, Hey, uh, I just had this dream where you guys were bowing down to me. Now, is this, this, like I know... uh a lot of a lot of scholars and, and authors and uh, Bible expositors will say Joseph is one of the few characters in the Bible. Uh, I think Daniel might be another one that we don't really hear of them committing a sin. Like the Bible is very um, very honest mm. in its characters' flaws yeah, of of, right. yeah. of of the heroes of the faith. They're often very flawed human beings. Mm. We don't really see no. Joseph sinning. If there's anything we could sort of remotely say that Joseph's in him, he's probably so innocent or so spoilt that yeah. he doesn't understand to keep his mouth shut sometimes, and in, especially in front of his brothers who do not like mm. him. Maybe he wasn't really good at picking up cues of people's <laughs> expressions yeah. around him, but he's very he just constantly keeps opening yeah. his mouth to the point where the second time he has a dream about the stars and the moon and the sun and everything, even his father says, what Boy, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I love you, son. Arrogant. But that's you know, pull it in a bit. But but the fact is, is that this is this is a dream from God, which is which is a prophecy of what is actually going to happen. That's it, and of course, does happen. Uh, very literally, does happen. Um, so yeah, and it's interesting your point about Joseph, the character. He is quite an idealized character in this uh, in this story, and I think that is because he is he is this sort of type of what God's people are called to be. Uh-huh. So he is the more idealized. He does um, he shows what God will do for his people, but he also he also preempts what God's people need to do for their part of the uh, their part of it as well. So he he shows this integrity and this godliness, oh, which yeah. is actually going to be and and the text actually does highlight his integrity um, because it's going to be um, contrasted with Jacob's lack of integrity in chapter 38. Yes. Chapter 38 is that people think, why is that story there about Judah and Tamar? We'll get to that in a moment. Yes. But the the role of that story is to form a little bit of a contrast. So Joseph actually gets it right. You know, Joseph is a man of character and Mm. integrity. Mm. And it's because of his integrity um, that, well, he, he, he doesn't necessarily... You see him, in a sense, suffer from his integrity, yes, um, or despite it, or whatever. But yet, God is faithful to him, and through that, mm. his integrity, yeah, he actually gets to where he needs to get. So, this is you, we're starting to anticipate God bringing the law to His people, yes. saying, "Look, I do want to bless you, but you need to do your part if you are to be a people of blessing." So we get the story of Joseph. We introduced <coughs> him at 17 years old. So his brothers, all the older brothers, yeah. I mean, because he's one of the youngest ones, yeah. uh, Benjamin would be a couple years younger, say, you know, 14, 15, around there. His older brothers probably ranging all the way up to about 30 yeah. or so and down mostly in their 20s, yeah. the big tribe of them. Uh, a lot of them are married and have children, them, you know, a few of yeah. them are having children themselves. Uh, you know, they've different, you know, family relationships going on here. And Joseph, as a 17-year-old, has already realised somehow through the through the instruction of his parents, through the instruction of his grandparents, he understands that he that they are in a relationship with God. Yeah, that's and right. That they, and that he even is now beginning to realise through these prophetic dreams as a 17, 17-year-old innocent type of thing is explaining to his family these dreams that he's having and that is only causing more and more division between him and his brothers. And his, yeah. that that laid on top of his father's overwhelming favoritism mm. towards him. Uh, and you can only imagine of what it would be like 
being a, a one of 12 sons to a man, yeah, yeah. a great patriarch, you know, a great, yeah. a great blessed guy, yeah. how you're in for favour, yeah. what you're trying to do, especially with the division amongst the, mm. the, the wives in the house. So we, we finally get to the place where, um, you know, Joseph is remembering, uh, sorry, Jacob is remembering what Joseph is telling him. But he says, listen, go out to your brothers. They're out shepherding. Uh, you know, looking after the flocks, go out, see how they're doing. Yeah. We get a weird sort of tale of Joseph having to go to this place. They're not there. They He finds out they're at another mm-hmm. place. He finally finds out where they go, where they are. And as he's walking down to them, at a distance, they recognise him in that coat of many colours. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, here he comes. Here comes the dreamer. What are we going to do? And they, they, th- we, <clears throat> we realise that, Two things: how how bad the division is amongst them, mm. but also how far they are from God. Yeah, that their their immediate thought is, "We'll kill him." Yeah, now's our chance. Yeah, that's right. And and again, we've got to keep in mind these are the twelve tribes of Israel. So in many ways, these brothers kind of stand for the twelve tribes, and so the uh, the enmity. I mean, we're reminded here of the the, the enmity. Um, between um, Cain and Abel, uh, one brother kills another. So you've got uh, this quintessential expression of sin, Mm. one brother killing another brother. Uh, Here, the brothers want to kill him. Reuben actually saves him, says let's... And and eventually some um, uh, interesting Ishmaelite uh, traders come along and they ended up end up selling him into slavery, but, of course, putting blood on his robe and, and telling his father that and, he's and that's killed. An in- and that's an interesting point. Reuben, the oldest of all of Jacob's sons, is the son of Leah, the <clears throat> yeah. oldest of Leah. Yeah. You know, So he's the oldest of the lot, and the, he lets the rest of them speak their, their cunning plan, yeah. and, but he pipes up and says, no. You know, he's got a conscience. He's yeah, the one who yeah. seems, in the midst of it all, he seems to have, have the one with yeah, the conscience right. in there. Yeah. Uh, so we get Reuben speaking up saying, listen, let's just chuck him down this well for now and yeah. let's see how we go. Let's work out what we're going to do. Yeah. And then and then, as fate would have it, the slave traders come through. And, yeah, that's you know, right. Um, so they, they uh, pick Joseph up because uh, he's thrown into a cistern and, uh, and they take him into Egypt. Now, um, you know, this is... He's sold as a slave into Egypt, into Potiphar's household. This is preempting the enslavement of the Israelites, uh, you know, uh, a generation or so later, generations later, into Egypt, who are, they also made slaves. God also blesses them in their slavery so that they prosper. Uh, Egypt prospers under the uh, Israelite slaves. You get this all preempted yeah. here in, um, in the Joseph narrative. Uh, but so, we also sorry, so it's like he's going before them. Yeah, in his experience, totally. it's like God is saying, "You're going to go through this, yes. but do what jo- do what Joseph did, and yep. you'll get where Joseph got to." Now it's interesting. I just make a note here, just to make sure it's clear there. And I, and I know I'm being pedantic here. Reuben is the one who says, "Don't kill, don't kill him. Let's just keep him here in a holding pattern." He disappears. He goes back to check yep. on something, yep. and it's Judah who says, <clears throat> "Ah, okay, yeah." Here's here's a, here's an opportunity to sell him, and Reuben. Comes Comes back. Reuben's like, "What have you done?" Reuben did because oh, he was. I think he was going to rescue him. Is well, uh, it's, it's it says here uh, in verse twenty nine of thirty seven. So sometime later, Reuben returned to get Joseph out of the pit, and we discovered yeah. that Joseph was missing. He yeah. tore his clothes in anguish and frustration. Yeah. Yeah. Then he went back to his brothers. The boy is gone. What can I do now? And the brothers are like, "No, no, we've sold him. It's all good. Let's just get his cloak." Put the blood, you know, the blood on it, yeah. and let's go from there. So he was complicit after that, but you can <clears> see that Reuben. For whatever reason, we're we we we're told that Reuben at least wasn't. Yeah, he, you know. he is he is complicit though, and and what we find out later in Genesis is that Reuben really carries the brunt of a lot of this, yes. uh, for a lot of the bad decisions. Uh, as the eldest son, he actually is in charge, mm. and there's an enormous amount of responsibility. He really mm. should not have let it get to this. He should not have let it even get no. to this. He yeah. should have stood up. Uh, in the first place, and he didn't, and and so interestingly, Ru- Reuben doesn't become one of the twelve tribes of Israel. Yeah, um, he actually uh, he's not counted as one of the twelve tribes, and two of Joseph's sons are instead. So does that in, does that speak to, to does that speak to um, any? How do I say this? 
the 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 oldest son. Yeah. There's a weight on the shoulders of the oldest. Yeah, son. there's an enormous weight. Well, he's gonna he's gonna inherit everything. Yeah. So he's he's actually in charge, and that means responsibility. Okay. So so we see that obviously as a pattern in Genesis. Yeah. How much is that a pattern for us today? Do we do we, you know, does that as 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 Christian families with you know. Firstborn sons, daughters, whatever. Yeah. Do we carry on that? No, it's 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 look whatever. It's just the way that they did things in those days, and what you actually see throughout these narratives of God's is subverting that. Okay. You're going to see this. We saw that with Jacob and Esau. It's yeah. the younger mm-hmm. that God chooses. Uh, we, we see this constant. In fact, um, Joseph, when Jacob, Joseph himself is one of the youngest. Yeah, ones. Joseph himself yep. is one of the youngest. When Joseph brings his two boys, Manasseh and Ephraim. Um, uh, Manasseh's the older, I, I think. I think I've got this yes. right. But uh, Jacob actually gives the blessing yes. of to the, the youngest. Yeah, to, to the youngest one. So you have this. This is a constant feature, actually, of this getting subverted. But the fact is, whoever is in charge mm. and whoever has the authority, mm. however they got that authority, mm. has the responsibility. Mm. So you can have, uh, you know, someone that became a king through the most terrible <laughs> way, yes. and yet that person's still responsible and God holds that person responsible. The more power we have, the more responsibility we have. And the fact is is that Reuben, he was the eldest. Um, and what, whatever was the case in God's eyes, certainly in terms of the family dynamics, the brothers, brothers would have recognised he's in charge. Um, yet he doesn't really take the responsibility that he should have. And so the result is, I mean, he goes part of the way, yes. but the result is... You know, he's, he's kind of trying to save his own skin as yep. well. Yep. And he's going to go back and get his brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I mean, who knows what he was going to do. I, I imagine he was going to, what, take him off somewhere else. And I don't think he can. Who yeah. knows? We but anyway, yeah. the point is is that he gets sold into slavery. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's take a break. We'll come back. We get, we're going we're gonna to get into a really bizarre story yeah. in Genesis and there's been quite a few this is another bizarre one here and one of the sons of Jacob and we'll find out what's meanwhile while Joseph has been sold off into Egypt we zoom back into Bethel and find out what is going on in the house of Jacob you would thrive deeper with Matt and DJ we'll be back in just a sec G'day family, it's DJ Payne here and I just wanted to take a brief moment and to thank all of you who have reached out to us at this beginning of 2020. It's been great to hear from you. Please keep doing it. If you haven't reached out to us yet and let us know how we can serve you better, head over to thrivetoday.net.au and shoot us an email. You can also head over to our Facebook page and our Facebook group. Now, as you heard at the beginning of this episode, we're recording this episode on brand new equipment. We've got some new equipment, a new space in what we're calling the studio. We are getting that up to scratch. We've got a lot of work to do, to be totally honest with you. Over the month of January, I'll be working very hard behind the scenes with the team to get it up and going. So we've got new equipment, new space. We've got a new podcast that we want to bring you in 2020. I'll tell you more about that in the upcoming weeks. And We've got new video projects. The Deeper Places Project is about to launch. That's the second edition of Matthew Jacoby's book. So many new projects and new ideas we want to bring you in 2020. I'm so excited. And to be honest with you, a little bit exhausted. As I record this in the morning, I'm about to head out for a second full day of shooting videos for Sons of Cora, Anna Waters, Rod Gear, and a few other interesting projects that we've got underway. It is fascinating stuff we cannot wait to bring it to you 2020 is going to be a massive year for the team here so keep on listening reach out to us on social media as i tell you every week i'm dj Payne on all the social media whether it's twitter instagram wherever you are i'm there as well dj p-a-i-n-e would love to talk to you all right let's get back into the life of joseph 
on Thrive Deeper. Thrive Deeper, it's DJ here with Matthew Jacoby and we are sitting down going through the book of Genesis. We've only got a few more weeks left of Genesis as we close up this foundational book, this book of patterns, of types, of you know our introduction to getting to know God and how he deals with his people. So we've just seen Joseph, we've waved goodbye to Joseph pretty much screaming and crying as a 17-year-old, saying to his brothers, please don't sell me into slavery. He's been sold off into Egypt. We then get this bizarre chapter, chapter 37 in Genesis, which zooms in and shows us what's happening in the household of Jacob, in the household of Israel. And specifically, we zoom into the to the to the man of Judah. Yeah, and this there's this strange account, and it talks about Judah's um, Judah's sons, where one of them Ur uh, dies, and, and, and interestingly, it says uh, Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the Lord's sight, so the Lord put him to death. We're not given any uh, other indication uh, as to what that was. Um, now, there was a, a law at that time, and this is where it gets interesting. Uh, and um, Well, straight away we see that Judah, Judah goes <clears throat> away from his father's household yeah. and marries a Canaanite woman. Yeah, that, well, that's, in, in, that's actually an interesting thing already. Yeah. So straight um, away we go, hang on, this is not, he's not following the pattern yeah. of what we've seen the patriarchs set up before Yeah, that's him. right. Okay, so there's already, there's already something problematic here. Yep. Um, thanks for pointing that out. That, that's an important detail there. Mm. So uh, the the responsibility then in in the in ancient times when um, uh, when a, a woman's husband died, it would be the the husband's brother, and they had big families, so they normally there would be a brother. It would be his responsibility um, uh, to marry the widow. I know this sounds weird in our day and age, but remember, this is in the ancient world mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. the family and or the tribe was the is security everything, everything. For, for for the woman. Yes. So, so that she wasn't just cast out, mm. uh, she would marry one of the other brothers, who would then uh, be able to not only care for her, but also um, that she would be able to have children. Yep. Um, and so. That, it, that was this provision. Now the point is here is that she then wants to. Uh, I mean, Onan, who's the next one who should have married uh, the widow, um, Tamar, doesn't so t- doesn't want to. Yeah, so Tamar Tamar is the Canaanite widow, young widow. Yep, we we find it, you know the Bible says that she's a young woman. Uh, the the her married you know the Judah's son Ur. Yeah, uh, so bad God kills him. Yeah, without, without giving Tamar any children. Yep. The next son Onan. Yeah. is like, I don't want to give her any children because that will be, because she's married my older brother, yeah, you know, yeah. she's going to be, you know, he, she's going to get the thing. Out. So we get, you know, a very graphic, you know, a very graphic yeah, yeah. scene here um, and it's where we get a very old English word, you know, Onan is, you know, the, yeah. coming from his name. Whenever, and this is where it's, uh, it's we see that she is actually taken in as a wife because it's not just a one-off act that he has to do to sign a child for her it's it's obviously there's a you know he's he's sleeping with her on, on many yeah, on, yeah. On, on often occasions but he is making sure that he is not uh, how do we say this nicely on a podcast not man? Impreg- let's just say he's, he's not impregnating her yeah so the Which point is, is, is that then that this just becomes completely inviolable Judah then sends her off to live uh, as a widow in her father's household and uh, but the Lord the Lord takes Onan's life as well the Lord says, "Right, you're yeah, bad. That's right. You're as bad. Yeah, yeah. Bang, you're dead as well." Because He doesn't take responsibility yeah. as well. There's a lot of that theme going on. Yes. Now, uh, so she goes off and lives, and t- a lot of time goes by. But we've had we've got Judah there as the father-in-law. So imagine this: the father-in-law Judah says to Tamar, "Listen, don't marry again. Don't go outside of my tribe. I want to. I want to yep. do the right thing by you. But my youngest." 
Shayla is not old enough to marry you yet. You know, yeah. he's, he must be a young man. Um, but then it says here we get we get the insight. Judah didn't really intend to do this because he was afraid that Tamar was like bad luck. You know, like yeah, Tamar's yeah. there's something bad. So if he gives Shayla to marry her, he's going to die as well, like the two his two other sons yeah. did. So so he basically just keeps Tamar as a widow in his household, sitting yeah. there as a young woman, you know, desperate for a child, and she's hard done by this yeah. Canaanite woman is hard done by. That's right. So she. You know, she wants to do the right thing in, in a way and continue the because yep. the, the, the there was a responsibility there for the deceased husband husband's name to be carried on through offspring, and she wants to do the right thing, um, but Judah just isn't really taking responsibility for facilitating this. And as the as the clan chief and the family head, he is responsible for that. Yep. So the the point is is a lot of this is about Judah is not doing what he's supposed to do. And the story gets worse yes. because she thinks, well, uh, if he's not going to, you know, uh, the, the only option here yeah. now. I'm going to teach I'm going to teach him a lesson. So I, I actually, so she decides that she's going to sleep with the father. I know this yeah. is getting going to get messy now. So she plays the prostitute. She, she puts off her widow's clothes, yeah. dresses herself up, veiled like a harlot. We find out that Judah thought that she was a cult prostitute, that she was one of the prostitutes that would do this because of occultic practices. And he he sleeps with her. Which makes it even more. Yeah, it makes it even worse. So right here you've got not only is he he breaking this law of sleeping essentially with his daughter-in-law. Yes. Um, I mean, I know that she's deceiving him, but... He's, but it's also, it also again, the, the, we're getting all the bits and pieces out of the way. We find out that Judah's, like, uh, um, Tamar is very clever here because she's paying attention. Judah's wife dies. Yeah. And this is after Judah's wife, yeah. wife has died. So Judah has had no wife for a long yeah. time. So he's out, he's out in the fields working with the things and everything like that, and she's very clever. After the appropriate amount of time, she goes out there, plays the prostitute. He says, listen, I haven't got any money to send you. I'll send you a goat or whatever yeah. for the act. And she goes, no, give me something. So he gives her like the signet ring, gives her his staff, staff yeah, yeah. And, and some other – and she goes, that's fine. Just give me that, and when you send the goat, I'll swap it back and everything's okay. They sleep together. She disappears. Yeah, the harlot disappears. I think it preempts to this preempts the sort of idolatry that's going to plague Big the time. nation later on. Big I mean, time. so so if again, just I just want to keep pulling out from the details. Joseph represents what they can be and should be, but Judah here represents the 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 dark side. He represents what they actually will yes. uh, become, and. Uh, cult prostitution element of this, the fact that it's connected with a cult, as it generally was, mm. just preempts that uh, idolatry. Now, mm. she is becomes uh, pregnant. Yes. And she comes... Uh, so the news, news gets out in the household. Hey, out. did you hear that Tamar's three months pregnant? Yeah. And someone else goes, I think it's because she played the prostitute. Judah is like, what? He becomes self-righteous yeah, and, right. oh, we're going to have to burn her and kill her. Let's go. And and so she, in the, in the, one of the most amazing cinematic moves yeah. in the Bible, you know, he's like, you know, furious at her and she basically, I'm pregnant to this man and she produces the signet ring, yeah. produces the stuff, produces the thing. And Judah straight away is like, Yeah, so wow. it's very much like David and Bathsheba. This yeah. is like the story of David and Bathsheba, really, uh, where... Where she actually and he, he admits, um, you know, you, you're in the right. Yeah, you're in the right. I've yeah. done the wrong thing. Yes. So and he actually says, "You are more righteous than yeah, I am." That's right. Because you you have orchestrated this, and I and I had chosen to. Okay. You know, that's an important point. So now, who is she? Where did she come from? She's a Canaanite. Yeah. Isn't she? Yeah. And he has to admit, you, the Canaanite. The people of the land, yeah. you know, who are going to be driven out for their evil, he says, you are more righteous than I. That's it. So right here we have, you know, as we have, and, and the insertion of this story into the Joseph narrative is, as I said, important because it forms a contrast. Mm. It's like Joseph represents what God's people should be. Mm. Uh, Jacob here 
and sorry, Judah, Judah here represents what God's people should not be. Yes. Uh, and unfortunately, what at various times they are, they are going to be. But also an amazing, this again, these patterns and types, it's an amazing thing of, there's a few other factors here. A, these are, this is what's going on in God's chosen people in the land that he has promised them. Yeah. Absolute debauchery sin, yeah. right? Meanwhile, in the land of sin, you know, yeah, in, in the Egypt, land of Egypt, yeah. in the land of Egypt, which is not God's promised place, amongst heathens, God is prospering Joseph. Yeah, God right. is God yeah. is bringing him up up in a roundabout way. To finish off the story of Tamar and Judah, we find out a couple of last facts. Judah uh, looks after Tamar, but never sleeps with her again. He says, yeah. "He says I will look after you." But she goes on to have twins, um, Perez. And Zira, yeah, and Perez and Zira, and it's that strange story of one of the hands coming out first, a red thread going on, yeah. the hand coming back out, and then the other child being born first. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Another weird twin uh, uh, thing. Well, it's another eldest youngest yeah. thing going on there. So yeah. again, that theme comes back in. Yeah. yeah. So meanwhile, Joseph is in Egypt, and God is blessing him abundantly in the house of Potiphar. Uh, who is one of Pharaoh's officials, captain of the guard. Mm. Um, this is, again, fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. You know, I will bless you, even though Joseph would have thought, how does this, and this is the point of this story as well, because he, you know, when he was sold into slavery, he would be thinking, but God said mm-hmm. that I would be blessed. This doesn't look like blessing. Uh, and yet we see that God is with him, and in slavery, God is blessing him in that household, he's put in charge of the household, mm. um, and we, and we also see the character of Joseph yeah. as well in this because straight away we see like fast forward we don't know a few yeah. years maybe a few, yeah. you know a couple of years we I mean we don't really know but we see him as a young man and yeah. he you know he could be nineteen twenty at this point and he is in charge of. You know, again, this is the captain of the guard. This is like in our modern parlance, like one of the head generals of the entire army type of thing. So it's quite an established household. And um, we see that Joseph is a man of character because straight away, in contrast to the chapter we've just read, where all this sexual debauchery going on, the master's wife, his master's wife is begging Joseph to sleep with her yeah. because he is young, attractive, you know, well-built yeah, yeah. young guy. And she says, you know, she keeps on tempting him. And he's like, no, how can I do it? I can't do it to my master. I can't do it before my God. It's not going to happen yeah. until she – and not until she – no, until. But then she finally, you know, traps him in a way where she grabs hold of him and he has to leave his outer robe yeah. with her and run off. He runs away, mm. runs away from this temptation. Now – we don't know what this woman looked like. Let, let's imagine yeah. that she's gorgeous. That's a massive temptation for a young man, who, you know, young single guy, for any young single guys who are listening now, that's a massive temptation. Well, there's the element of self-preservation. He was a slave yeah. and it wouldn't have been unusual for masters and mistresses of households to uh, take advantage of, yes. of their slaves. So he is, in in a way, endangering... He, he, he Saying no... Uh, is not just about avoiding an opportunity uh, or, or giving up an opportunity, but it's actually endangering. Yeah. He would have known that risk from the start. Yes. However, he still does the right thing, and this is the point of yeah. contrast to to Judah. This is where uh, so this this is an important part of the story of Joseph is that he keeps his integrity, and in the immediate. He's not rewarded for that. It looks like he's punished for that. Totally. Uh, because, because he gets what, thrown into prison. Yeah, the, 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 hus- the husband comes home, his master comes home. She is left sitting there with, with you know, screaming. That's right. Making a big hubbubaloo. Look, he tried to rape me. He tried to come in and have an advantage as a Hebrew slave. Yeah. So he furious. Throws he, him into prison. Throws him into prison. So How's again, that? it seems to get worse. And this, you know, like, I mean, God is working in the midst of this, but we, the reader, have this bird's eye perspective. We see what's going on here. Of course, he goes into prison. God blesses him in the prison. And yeah. so he's then put in charge of the prison. So it, in, it gets darker and darker, yeah. and yet God is still with him. Yeah. It's not like God has abandoned him. Yeah. It got, it's There's this sense of God is 
very much with him and blessing him in these dark places, but he's still in really dark places. Yeah. But it's through this kind of um, this roundabout way that God is going to get him, uh, get Joseph where he needs to be. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you think, do you think, I mean, we don't know. I can only project. I mean, reading it again this time made me think, I wonder if Joseph, as a prophet, yeah. remembered the dreams as, as a prophecy from God and trusted in those as a, as, as a word spoken from God and thought, I don't have to worry. I need to do the right thing because God has chosen me for something. And, mm. if, and if I get sent here, if I get sent here, he, not that he was a Pollyanna and looking on yeah. the bright side everywhere. I mean, yeah. it would have been rough. He would have, and we we hear a little bit of how rough it was in the next chapter. But I wonder how much he was hanging on to the prophecy that he had been given in the dreams to stand as as you know, uh, you know, resolute as he did in the face of temptation. Yeah, well, I mean, we we don't know exactly what he was making of his prophecies. I mean, he could well have questioned that. He certainly is sticking with God because when. Uh, which when we come to the next episode, well, first of all, we know that in slavery he says, I'm, I, I can't sin against God and do this. Yeah. Uh, then when he's in prison, uh, these the, the um, Pharaoh's cupbearer and yes. Pharaoh's baker, uh, they're thrown into prison. They have these dreams. Yeah. And uh, we'll just summarise this, but because yeah. to cut a long story short, uh, they're really perturbed about these dreams. And Joseph says, no, do not dreams belong to God. So he's already he's still in that space of willing to be willing to listen to God. So tell me your dreams, he says. In in other words, you know, God is has the interpretation, and God will show me. And so he has this prophetic. So he's still able to fulfill that prophetic role. He's there yes. with God there, and in, in in that story as well, he's so confident in with the with the baker and the cupbearer when Joseph. Uh, divines the dream when God gives him the revelation, the meaning of the dream. He's so confident in it. We do hear a little bit of Joseph's heart. I mean, even though he's confident in God, he even, he does say, "Remember me, remember yeah. me here, because I'm not supposed to be here." That's right. Because the upshot of the dream is that the the cupbearer is going to be restored, yes. but the baker is going to be executed. So he says to the cupbearer, "Remember Please, me yeah. when you're at Pharaoh's side again. Yeah, remember yeah. me to Pharaoh." Of course, he gets. As as it happens, they it turns out exactly as um, Joseph predicted through these dreams, yep. and he just gets forgotten. Now the interesting thing is, Joseph from about the time when he has his dream and goes into sl- and the time when he goes into slavery, yeah. we're talking fourteen years yeah. for the fulfilment of that. It's actually the same amount of time that Abraham and Sarah waited for. Isaac, the same, it's 14 years, two sevens. Yeah, yeah. So it's like at the right time, Mm. God fulfilled his promises. Mm. Um, And in in that case, the same amount of time. So um, he gets forgotten and and he's there in prison again, is wondering what's happened. But of course, then we go uh, to the scene where in Pharaoh's palace, Pharaoh has these dreams and he's perturbed about these dreams. None of his staff can interpret these dreams as magicians and so forth and finally yeah. the cupbearer says ah oh, joseph that's right and he tells the yeah. king about joseph they he gets joseph up yeah. and joseph interprets the dreams as and and you can read about the dreams for yourselves but basically the dreams are predicting yeah. that egypt is going to have seven years of abundance followed by seven years of severe famine yeah. so jacob says okay this is what you need to do you need to store up Choose the right guy to manage this. Store up as much as you can for the seven years of famine. And we'll and we'll get into more of this next on next week's episode. We're sort of bleeding into that, but uh, I love the fact that Joseph so smartly, so shrewdly is making all these suggestions about what needs to happen. And it's like, you know, here I am. And of course, Pharaoh <laughs> says, "Well, who better who is better? there than you?" And so, essentially, Joseph becomes. The, the Prime Minister, he becomes the top guy under Pharaoh mm. uh, and, and that's very explicit. Yeah. And it's very explicit in the text because this is the fulfilment. fulfilment. Yes. So I will make your name great. So Joseph becomes this, you know, so here is this, I mean, the amazing thing about this, there is no way that 
a Hebrew shepherd could ever have got to that point because shepherds to the Egyptians were so considered to be so lowly yeah. that they did not even associate with them. They would not eat with shepherds. Mm. And, and the, the narrative makes that point. Mm. So how could, if you, even before this story, <laughs> could have said, would have said to Joseph, you are going to be the prime minister of Israel. Impossible. He would have said, that is impossible at so many levels. Mm. I don't even live in, so the prime minister of Egypt, I don't even live in Egypt. The Egyptians uh, won't even associate with shepherds. We're, we're a class of shepherds. Uh, and yet God brings this about yeah. and it's through so all, all of the being a sold into slavery and uh, being thrown into prison and for that long and all of that was his convoluted path but mm-hmm. necessary convoluted but ne- necessary path to the fulfillment of the promise and I mean uh, Joseph his, himself when he's rec- when he's reconciled with his brothers um, s- says, What you meant for evil, God has used for good. Let me give you a little bit of a behind-the-scenes moment there for this podcast. The last 10, 15 minutes of the podcast, Matthew was so excited to get into the life of Joseph. He's not reading my cues, my hand signals, my waving, you know, knifing your neck saying, okay, Matt, time to cut it. We're right. He just wants to race ahead and we're <laughs> racing ahead in the story of Joseph. I'm like, let's save some for next week. But he's, we are loving the story. Him and I just get so much out of the story of Joseph. Every time we reread and re-go into this story, it's just one of my favorite stories in the Bible. One of my favorite people that we have recorded is the person of Joseph. Listen, when people tell you that, you know, the God of the Old Testament is different to the God of the New Testament, or, you know, I like the New Testament God, that just say, zip it. Have you read the end of Genesis? Have you heard about Joseph? Joseph's story is just grace upon grace upon grace. It's amazing. And I cannot wait next week to go deeper into the story of Joseph with you and Matthew uh, on, on episode 85. This is some great stuff coming up as we get ready to finish the book of Genesis. Anyway, you can tell I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for downloading. Tell your friends to download the podcast. We'll see you next week on Thrive Deeper. See ya. Thanks for listening to another episode of Thrive Deeper. Matthew and DJ would love to hear your questions and comments about what you are reading in God's Word and in Thrive. The easiest way to do that is to head over to thrivetoday.net.au. Thrive Deeper is on Facebook. Just search and like Thrive Today page for all our latest news. Until next week, our prayer is that this podcast will inspire you to read God's word and thrive.